Welcome to The Unlistenables, long-form musical analysis from a couple of old, broken-down pieces of meat. I'm Howard Chu, one of your hosts. Shortly, I'll be joined by wife guy Andrew Hollingworth, the dude that spent $136 at the merch table. Today, we'll also be joined by insufferable hipster Patrick Myers. This week, we continue our deep dive into the depths of millennial nostalgia with a dual episode covering the Postal Service's Give Up and Death Cab for Cutie's Transatlanticism. Join us as we dig into the battle-tested precision that is a Death Cab live show, as well as finally luxuriating in having some material to play with in terms of romantic mixtape fodder. We even speculate as to whether or not Ben Gibbard is a fan of America's original sport. Let's dig in. All right, we are back at it. Uh, Unlistenables episode, lucky number 11, the beaky tur- turkey beaky of episodes. Uh, I'm here <laughs> <laughs> joined by A-Hole and special guest Patrick Myers. Uh, we are discussing the Postal Service Death Cab for Cutie, not only the Nostalgia Tour, but the combination of those two albums. So our first dual episode. Um, and... Yeah, let's just dig into it. So background for the listeners out there, all three of us had tickets, went to the reunion tour where Postal Service and Death Cab played Give Up and Transatlanticism front to back. So we're going to spend a little bit of time just chatting about that, impressions from the concert before digging into some of the typical things that we have on an episode. So uh, as a kickoff, I'll start with special guest Patrick Myers. Uh, what were your takeaways from the show? How did it match up relative to the expectations that we laid out on episode slightly less than Slevin? Uh, takeaway one, probably biggest surprise, Ben Gibbard, very handsome. Very handsome man. Uh, which, yeah. which, very clean room. Great. Yeah. And, and Andrew and I had the, the same reaction when they came out. We were like, yeah, Ben looks great, man. Um, but no, overall, uh, I loved it. I think i loved the transatlanticism half more than i thought i was going to i thought it was going to be pretty well i guess it probably was pretty equal but i i I enjoyed a lot more than i thought and i thought it was live played really 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 well um especially in madison square garden where it's like hard to maybe fill the space in the same way like with sound and it, it was perfect for that a-hole thoughts on that yeah i mean i i felt basically identical to that um i i really felt like transatlanticism surprised me by you know it was a lot more energetic than i expected um and i think to that end like seems like to me like the like death cab really wielded the power of millennial nostalgia very judiciously like they knew what it was going to be able to do, or if they didn't know, as soon as they had it, they were ready to like swing that flaming sword in their hands. Like, you know, transatlanticism, like that song is slow. There's so little instrumentation. There's like nothing, right? Like it's so, so sparse and quiet and wonderful on the record, but in Madison square garden, like, how do you make that compelling and you make it compelling when that's that arena is literally filled to the brim with people who know every single word. 
Um, and so like that moment and that those portions of the album, that one in passenger seat is probably the other like super slow one. Yeah. It just felt like that was where they really knew and embraced what a victory lap it was. Um, yeah. What about you, Howard? I love that. No, it's, I, I think you both are, you hit the nail on the head. I came in really expecting postal service to, you know, blow this hop off. I I, was, I saw it in Berkeley uh, at the Greek. And the thing that I realized was the postal service was almost like a little bit like a girl talk concert where they just kind of played it and it sounded exactly like it sounds on the album. Yeah. Maybe the live vocals being the X factor. And that was cool to hear Jenny Lewis and to see them team up again, but it sounded ostensibly the exact same as it did on the album. And I think energetically you guys are, are both nailing in terms of there was a pop with transatlanticism where fuck it. I'm back on my bullshit. I thought it was going to be a smooth boy kind of album, right? You thought it was going to be like Jimmy Eat World. I thought it was going to be Jimmy Eat World because it is like on an album form. But like when you see it live, it, I wrote down these notes that are almost indecipherable now, like a few months later. But I just said, this sounds like rock. This is rock and roll. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, it was, it's not on the album, but it is uh, live, which I thought was really impressive. And to your point, Myers, not only does Ben Gibbard have a great hog and is a good, really good looking guy. He, the instrumentation, like his ability to play his guitar, the fact that he hopped on the drums. Yep. I wasn't expecting any of that from him. I thought yeah. he was just like a, a sad boy singer and he really, he really crushed it. So yeah, I, I was surprised the extent to which uh, death cab really stood out to me. And then I really like your point, a hole about transatlanticism and, the thing that felt really special, just taking a step back in the concert overall, is this was one of the few cases and one of the few concerts that I've been to where everyone there knows every single word to every single song for both yeah. musician, like both of the main acts. And and like you could feel the emotionals like tug and sway of of each song and people knowing what's coming, uh, being able to predict the moves and it was really cool. It was, it, I'm so glad that uh, we did it. And it was, it was, it was super surprising. I mean, it, it does open up a lot of questions for me in terms of, well, what are some other versions of that? What are some other tours that would be really fun to, for us to go see that, that hit in, in, in like where there's that same level of like mass emotion. Um, I, I would be curious. And that's like a, maybe a, an open-ended hypothetical question. We don't need to answer, but it, it made me think about that a lot. One thing I'll also say too that um, I noticed midway through the concert was how much fun the other non-Ben members of Death Cab were having. Like they weren't like sometimes you go to a concert and people are being like really self-serious, and you could see it on the faces of like everybody in Death Cab. They were grinning the entire time, and you could tell that it was like a oh shit, we're playing Madison Square Garden and everybody here knows every single song. Mm -hmm. Like, this is awesome. And so I think that kind of actually shone through because they were all just, you know, putting up putting up threes for every single song, so. Yeah, yeah I think, like, it's it's really interesting. I don't know, hearing hearing them talk a little bit, like, 
and and reading some articles talking about like like what their expectations were for like the postal service album versus like the death cab album and i'm pretty sure it was at the concert when he said like you know right right before their set or whenever he did the intro for their set after the first song or whatever he was like yeah we recorded this album and we thought like maybe five thousand people would listen to it and you're like I mean, for me, I was like, I look around and I'm like, there's more than 5,000 people in this room and they all have listened to it 150 times plus, you know. Um, But one of the things I really, uh, one of the other things I really wanted to note was um, one, Howard, you mentioned this, like those, those moments where, uh, you know, uh, Ben Gibber is sort of doing a little more than, more than meets the eyes. But I felt like that was actually one of the highlights of the postal service set and this ties into to a sort of secondary comment but like the i think some of my favorite moments in that set were when you see him start to go climb up to the drum kit and like i don't know if this was your experience but it's like you know that song i know when the beat is gonna drop Mm -hmm. and there's this moment of tension like is he gonna make it is he gonna make it in time for that (laughs) which i actually found to be like just so compelling and so just like wow bomb um but but sort of to that end like one of the things that i felt like was really well done because i think that that's on purpose i I felt like the the little things uh, uh some of the little things of the show were really done well like the the production of it so like Obviously, they're all like for the death cab portion, all of the the entire band is all dressed in black and they have their instruments. But all of the mic chords and guitar chords are red, mimicking the red yarn of the, (laughs) you know, of the crow. Your your Halloween uh, uh, costume. That's right. It was my Halloween costume this year. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I had to had to put something together last second and uh, it worked out pretty well. Um, and then, you know, they're all dressed in white for, for give up. And I guess that's sort of mimicking the, I think one of the covers is like Great. curtains, the white curtains over yeah. a bed or something like that. I don't, I don't know for sure, but it looked good. And it was a great sort of in, in opposition or opposition to, to the other um, outfits. But I, I just like those little things, like it all seemed very well thought out and planned out. And then, but, but very simple. Um yeah, it was impressive. I, I like your framing of it as like a victory lap. Like it's it's clear that they had the time, and they've done this a lot. They they it, it it's a well worn groove for them, and and not in a way where they're yeah. being lazy about it. But they know the beats. They they know what works, and and they know how to make the pop. And but it's it's not super. It doesn't feel like effortful, right? Like and and I thought that that was um, really cool. My my last thought again, another impressionistic note that I scribbled down frantically is: this isn't making out music. This is thinking and feeling music. So, that's <laughs> that's maybe my final thesis on uh, it live. Myers, anything else that you want to add? Um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting was that Ben definitely is like a capital F frontman, also in a way mm. that I maybe didn't appreciate. And it was really interesting for the Postal Service set that Jenny Lewis, who is in her own right, a like performer, right, but was very content, at least in our show, to kind of like chill behind the keyboard for long stretches mm-hmm. and then would kind of just either come come out onto the stage 
Ortiz coming out onto the stage. And that alone would get such a pop from the crowd that people were like, oh, Jenny's Jenny's coming out. And she would just kind of like swan out onto the, the center stage and not even necessarily like do that much. She might like have a guitar solo or something like that, but like the crowd reacted. And I thought it was interesting that she seemed totally fine taking a back seat and being used kind of like sparingly as the person to like pop in and get that reaction, but still having Gibbard kind of be like the centering voice, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you guys talked about this in the, in the pre-show and I, I was sort of revisiting it and I felt like it was a hundred percent right. And I think actually Howard, I think you were the one to say this sort of explicitly, but I felt like those moments really elevated the postal service set. Like I, I think she steals the show a little bit. And I think you guys had both sort of previewed that as being your, your experience in the past. And, uh, and I think really mass, like one of the things you're really, you got right is that like, it's almost better that she is shining that brightly for sort of less of the time. Like, it's like, it's, it becomes so powerful when she comes out in those, you know, uh, you know, in brand new colony when they're singing to each other. I mean, sorry, not brand new colony and um, nothing better when they're singing mm-hmm. to each other. But those other moments are just so they really, really pop. The other one, you know, the like, I don't know, the stagecraft again, like I just was so psyched on it. Like there's a moment where she comes out and I think it's in um, I think it's in brand new colony, which is why I got confused, but she steps out and she steps right in front of the big fan that's blowing. And yep. She's wearing this huge flowing dress and she's just like, she's not shredding on the guitar because it's not that solo, but she's playing this sort of like soaring guitar solo and just looking like a fucking rock star, man. Like it's, it's just... like a cross between like Prince and Stevie Nicks. Yes. In like yes. one, you know? <laughs> yes. You know, and I think the thing that's very clear when she does stuff like that is that she has all of the indie simps, like the three of us, just oh, yeah. <laughs> spun up around her finger. Like she knows exactly how to uh, kind of push us around energetically and and good on her for doing it because, yeah, it, it really creates those moments. And it is it is a different experience than watching a Jenny Lewis show where she's just front and center the entire time. Like she mm. still does that. She, she knows, you know, she can play Fernando and people are going to pop at that. Like, I, I think she does a really good job of accentuating, but it is really cool when it's kind of a little bit hidden behind something and she's, she's popping out and, and giving us those, those moments. So yeah, I, th- I thought that that was a, a good note. Cool. One last, uh, one last thing I want to mention yeah, before please. we talk, uh, talk really about the albums. Oh, actually we have to recap some of our, uh, some of our preview, <laughs> uh, preview questions. Um, but no, uh, I, I came across this New York Times interview with Ben Gibbard, um, sort of about the tour and and talking about the, the music. Um, and I, I actually think it sort of bears mentioning at the at the beginning of this because I, I, it's so poignant and really to me sort of summed up where where they were able to deliver all this a lot of this energy from. But he says, a lot of our music has marked time in people's lives. It's not because we're so amazing. It's because we make music and music marks time. And I just felt like that quote was like, oh, you get it. You get what you are about. Like you get what the show is about for the audience. You get what this show is for you. Like in that article, he talks pretty candidly about being like, I think 
probably the music that I'm going to be most remembered for and that people consider to be the best that I've made is behind me now, but I'm still going to continue to like make and perform music. But I, I just thought that this, that, that quote was so poignant to me when I was thinking about this after the show, particularly, um, and, and the way that, you know, Howard, you talked about like your particular exact cohort and how influential it is. And like, I just love that idea that music marks time and uh, yeah, just cool. And there's something, you know, metronomic about the way that they revisit these albums because they did this tour 10 years ago yeah. when it was the 10th right. anniversary of um, Give Up and Transatlanticism. Like it, it, it is, they, it's, I hadn't heard that quote. That's fantastic. And to me, yeah, nothing, if nothing else, it's they are acutely aware of their presence in people's away messages and in their hearts, right? Like, and yeah, that's that's so interesting. And, um, you know, for the folks that didn't hear or weren't, weren't part of the preview episode and, and hype up episode for the concert, you know, the, the, the main assertion and, and my biggest thesis, if we're going to kind of step into the section where we talk about what does this album mean for us or, or what is the broader context of this album? The, like these two albums hit right in the transition from high school to college. They hit at that sense of longing and distance of like the things that you used to have, whether it's relationships or friends. And because of that, like every single person that is 37 years old just has a fucking breakdown when they listen to <laughs> like transatlanticism, the song, and the album and you know the it's it's uh i i can't think of something that has us by like hooked us by the heart more than that and that's you know it's, i don't have anything super profound to say aside from like yeah it's it's probably the the most universally important album for at least a subset of you know college educated uh folks that are 37 years old that yeah. that um, yeah. Any other thoughts in terms of like the broader context and stuff? I have a few unanswerable questions that I want I, I want to be quizmaster for with you all. But um, yeah, curious if there are any other things that you want to dig into in terms of broader uh, context of the album. Albums. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know if we want to chat about our uh, our any of our preview questions. So, uh, old age is just around the bend. We talked about uh, our, our guesses for the age of uh, concert goers. Mm. Did you have any specific thoughts on that as follow up? I came in at the lowest at 38. And as I recall, you guys were at 40 and 43 ish, something like that. Long tail. I think old. That sounds right. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. what What is age, right? But uh, yeah, <laughs> I think we're guessing, I, but. I didn't see a lot of youngs is what I'd say. Like, I, I think that the, 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 the definite part of the bell curve was in that like 35 to 37 range, but there were, there were 60 year olds. There are a lot of 60 year olds at the show. Um, so I, I, I think somewhere in the forties, low forties is, is probably about right. I, I really thought, I thought that I was, I was pretty close that 38 on the younger side was actually probably closer to, to the truth. I saw Patrick and I saw many more younger folks huh. than I expected. Well, like we, we saw some like parent with child. Yes. Where that was like, Oh, 
damn. Okay. Like, yes, you, these were from your formative years. And now you have an eight year old child who is with you at this concert. Oh, Jesus. Wow. So it, I, I was surprised, like, I was surprised by the number of people I saw, like, without wristbands, like, who could, who were not yeah. buying beer or whatever. You're just like, okay, wow, what? Are you <laughs> sure these straight edge. weren't just folks, yeah, or straight edge who had really good skincare routine? <laughs> uh, it's possible, it's possible. Um, okay, all right, that, that's, that's interesting. And I, I think it's probably maybe reflective of the broader demographics of New York versus the Bay Area as well. Like, I think- yeah. People that are trying mm, to recreate their youth in, in the Bay and in New York. I think there are product, probably a lot of younger folks that um, uh, are hip enough to be looped into like an older generation. It's it's, it's interesting. It, it would have, yeah. I think both these things can be true. Awesome. That's all I had. So context, hop into talking a little bit about what these albums sort of meant to us. I think you you primed us well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Myers, pop off, King. <laughs> so I was thinking about it, um, and especially with transatlanticism, though, to a lesser extent with Give Up, they're albums that most of my memories of listening to, or at least like what I associate with, is driving in cars, which is mm. not something that is the case for me with a lot of albums nowadays. But I have very visceral memories of of listening to transatlanticism driving around in my mom's old station wagon mm. in Western Mass, where, as Andrew can recall, getting from point A to point B of like friends' houses or things like that are oftentimes like out in the woods or like really far out there. So I have very like fond associations with listening to this album when I was like, I guess, 16, 17 driving people back from like, you know, a night of hanging out places or like, you know, driving back from the mall or whatever it is. And it being like a very, um, it's a very personal album in a lot of ways in that, like, there's obviously a lot of angst and feelings going on in it, but it's also the kind of album that you put on when you're driving back from like a party and everybody's quiet and you've just got like passenger seat on. Right. Yeah. That is like a very, and for me at the time, I very strongly associate that with like the woods of Western Massachusetts, you know, driving in a car with friends, which obviously this album was not made by people from that neck of the woods who were not that age and were not having that experience. And yet that is the exact association that I have with it. Um, I think Postal Service, for whatever reason, felt like almost more or less accessible to other people we went to high school with and i thought it was like cool that it was like oh nobody's listening to this right um and then garden state came out and i was like ah shit uh that's not the case anymore and this is cool but like at the time i was like oh i'm listening to electronic music because like i don't you know I didn't, I, I think I had a movie <laughs> CD, but outside of that, I was not listening to a lot of stuff that had like synths in it at that point. And I think that alone opened me up to a lot of music that later on I would really like, not that I would say I love like electronic music, but like bands like LCD Sound System, yeah. which maybe would not have appealed to me at 
age 16, but I actually can see like a pretty strong through line for at least for my music listening tastes. Let's let's double click on that really quick because I have one of my unanswerable questions, and this is a good time to bring it up, is I think sonically in terms of what we would consider to be the, the landscape of indie music, the unanswerable question I have is, is this is give up the most influential album from our adolescence? Because I think I see exactly what you're talking about in terms of through lines to like LCD, but it's also like MGMT, Passion Pit, Churches, mm-hmm. like everything feels yeah. like it's like not everything, but like a very big swath and tranche of what was popular in the past 10 and 15 years feels very directly descended from that. But I'm, I'll open it up to the three, two of you. Like, is there anything else that you think is in the conversation to stack up with that album? Mm. That is a great uh, question, man. I mean, I like, I think, I think it's hard to say that, it's an unanswerable question, right? Unanswerable. Like, it's unanswerable. I don't know. I I don't. I mean, nothing is coming to me off the top of my head. Uh, I I think my sort of like my sort of like judo tweak of the question is like I don't know. Like I I find myself wondering if like if it hadn't been that album, it would have been a different album, right? Like like it that feels like an inevitable musical thing. But I think that this one was there at the watershed moment and was the one that sort of popularized it. I think James Murphy would hate us saying this because he would be like, <laughs> I got it from this can album that I found and be like, all right, man. But um, no, but I, I think, you know, one of the things that's interesting to me is that I think there was some of this music going on in other parts of the, the country. But I think for those of us out in suburbia or what have you, like this was an entry point because it was meant to be opening to people. Whereas I feel like a lot of those albums that were maybe being made in New York or being made in LA or whatever it was, were like not looking for fans, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were more about like, we're just exploring our craft. And that's not to say that that's not what Postal Service was doing. But I think they seem like they were doing it more for fun, like because they enjoyed doing it with each other. Right. Uh, whereas like, I I mean, like, I'm not going to go inside the, the mind of a James Murphy, but <laughs> like uh, based off of, of what I've read of, of meet me in the bathroom and all of those, like he was more about just like, you know, experimenting with sampling and stuff like that. Mm. The, the one thing I was going to say, and, and I think these are just divergent paths I think you could argue that the strokes is this it is maybe as influential, but I also think probably more influential towards oh, what do I want to say? Like more commercially viable, like the just like the the wave of bands that popped up afterwards that were like the the know, bands. Yeah, right. Like, which is like maybe not fair to them. And I think they get like the hives, for instance, get like unfairly cast in that. But like the hives, the vines, you know, Kings of Leon, all of these ones that kind of jumped off of is this it. But I think genre wise, uh, Give Up definitely was it, it, it married the like pop sensibilities with indie rock in a way that had not been having had not been having done yet. 
I have I have one other possible proposal that I came up with as I was thinking about it. Uh, and that's Discovery by Daft Punk. Interesting. It is much farther to the electronic side. Yeah. And it is definitely like an electronica album, not a... It's not like a pop mute like album. I don't even know if it would be considered indie either, but or like indie the genre yeah. or independently right. recorded. But um, but that one was a big one, and I think I think there is a lot of stuff that is descended from that. Um, but and that was across many genres, too, right? Right, influenced as well, right? Yeah, exactly. But it, and then there was like the M eighty threes and the Phoenixes of the world. But then you also had like Kanye, right? So like there's it's a it's a really broad range. Yeah. So that one is That's in the same one. same same spot and I think is similarly sort of inflectionary. But I, I feel like the you can I mean you might even say that like postal service is also born out of that. Mm. And postal service is the like missing link between, you know, the the more pop and rock side of things. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it makes sense just given the composition, right? Like it is Jimmy yeah. Tembrello who is like an electronic artist and like right. using with Ben Gibbard and, and yeah. you know, creating a Digimonitor, whatever you would call it. Like digital monsters. I love that. I, li I really like that unanswerable question. Maybe we should change that to the name of the podcast. Um, <laughs> but, um, one of the things that really uh, strikes me, and uh, again, like, you know, Mouse and I went to the same high school. Uh, he was a year older than me. And certainly, like, uh, we shared a lot of musical tastes, I feel like. So all those things that he described are like one to one with me, except that I wasn't driving anybody because <laughs> I didn't have a car and I was like the youngest person in my grade. So, um, but, um, the other thing that I remember particularly about this album at that time was that this is really like, this is one of the albums that I most clearly remember downloading from LimeWire or whatever. And I know we've talked about that, but specifically with this album, not being able to download the entire album. So my- Give up or transatlanticism? Give up, sorry, give up specifically. Uh, I remember downloading Postal Service songs, but like I couldn't find the whole album anywhere. So my cobbled together album is this little like weird Frankenstein thing. And like, I remember like years later in college going back like at the advent of Spotify or whatever it was, because I'd only ever had my burned version of it and being like, wait, what the fuck is this song? Wait, I totally had a different version of this song. And like feeling like I had somehow like stumbled upon a demo version or some sort of like, I don't know, maybe it was just like a crappy radio tape over. Did, did you did you download a, a file that said natural anthem, but it was actually like, don't look back in anger? <laughs> yes, yes, I'm sure. Run through the like voice synthesizer. Yeah, something, something yeah. crazy like that. So um, I, but I, but to that end specifically like i remember really like this is um that that give up was really one of those first albums where i i felt like a hipster i felt like you know exactly what what mouse is talking about like 
I am listening to this. Most of the people around me are not listening to this and feeling that validation and also annoyance when, you know, uh, Garden State comes out, it gets popular. Even that is like hipster popular (laughs) until it's not popular. I mean, until it's normal popular and being like, okay, now everybody knows this. Well, I knew it first. Like that, this is definitely one of the first albums that that was that way for me. Mm. And and I think to extend that as as well this this felt like at least where i went to school it felt like a like a word of mouth album uh people would get into it they would burn it for other folks and to your point the thing that i love that you're saying is people thought they were so fucking cool when they talked about the postal service and dropped that name and at that time you didn't have the dual connotation so you're just like what the fuck are they talking about like the post how does that at all yeah. related, like a mail carrier at all related to pop music or whatever. But um, yeah, the the it, it felt special to people, I think, in a way that, um, that I don't know that there were a ton of albums, at least from that era, that made people really feel cool and hip in that way. So I think I think that's a good point. So this is a, a great moment to drop in a, one one piece of trivia. I have two trivia questions that we'll come back to, but I have one piece of piece of trivia to share uh, because I came across something. I remember some uh, some some article. Maybe it was on. Maybe it was just on the Wikipedia. Whatever. But um, we've talked a lot about this and a lot about how like how these albums got popular, how the internet played a role in that how MySpace played a role and like the ability to download MP3s played a role. And so um, it, it was fun to see some actual statistics. And I I just want to like put these out there as like maybe a, a frame of reference for, for stuff we look at and talk about later. But yes. Sub Pop, the record label offered a free download of, uh, of um, such great heights on their official website and by August 2005, so that's like two years after it had been released, it had been downloaded nine million times, and it had been downloaded over four by over four million users from the label's MySpace page. Thirteen wow. minutes. So, just at, like I don't have anything insightful to to play off that. I did try to do a little bit of like a dig in to try and like compare that with like the first two years of sales of something like from fallout boy or whatever. And I couldn't, I couldn't get it to anything meaningful to compare, but I, I do think that that those two numbers are fucking big for Monsters. a band that didn't tour and was, was totally independent and was like nothing. So it, it, it's a good point. Cause actually what I need to recalibrate in my head is I'm so used to thinking about like the play count on Spotify, yeah. which like those are in like the hundreds of millions and those, are, you know, after years and years and years of being on the service, but these are downloads, right? And people are yeah. slamming the repeat button on these constantly. So to think about yeah. 13 million people independently all having downloaded this album and then, you know. Uh, I mean, that's it, a lot. It's 13 a lot. million it's a lot. is a lot. It's a lot. Um, yeah, like one in 30 people in the US, like that. that's kind of crazy, right? Age it's adjusted. very crazy. It's, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Thirteen million. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Good, good piece of trivia. Um. Let me. <laughs> do you want to pop your other trivia question, or are you? No, no, no. I want to sit on those till the till till right before. I think they're good. Okay. Uh. Another. 
if you will, another unanswerable question for y'all. Is such great heights ruined? And what I mean by that is I cannot detach it from like a FedEx commercial. It just sounds like a commercial now. I cannot enjoy it. Oh, interesting. Not even for the USPS? Come on, man. Not even for the USPS. Not even for M&Ms. Like, it's in so many freaking commercials. And it just sounds too slick to me now. Like, it, I, I, I can't enjoy it on an emotional level because it's been so co-opted. And, like, good on the Postal Service for, like, commercializing their music and, and allowing it to get be. Get that bag. It's like, I'm sure they got their bag. Get money, get paid fantastic i can't that's the one song where i'm just like it, it's all it's a nothing it's it, it's 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 water to me now so can i offer a, a semi counter to that please which is i because i had not i hadn't listened to it in a while um and earlier this year to your point it was used in a commercial but it was used, it was the trailer for the new season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And it actually worked really well with the subject matter. Because it's, you know, it's like a space yeah. exploration show. And I, I've always felt like, for I mean, Give Up has like lots of space themes to it. Um, and... I having not listened to it for a while, I like watched that trailer and I was like, man, that worked so well. Now I want to go listen to give up. And this is before or like the tour was announced and all this stuff. I was like, uh, Oh man, that's all rules. Like I should go listen to that right now. Wow. So maybe, maybe, maybe I needed a little time away from it to, mm. to, to have that boomerang back. I also think like there's a, so I 100% agree. Like it is, it is very diluted like the and so I, I for me i feel like there's two two specific things at play one like listening to it you know for this it's like i was like all right let me actually like sit and listen and try and be really present with it and like dude it's fucking beautiful it's so well written like i think it is so touching like so and 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 it's just because it's like kind of played out and you've heard it a thousand times that you're able to like not really think about that but like that opening quartet is just like absolutely amazing songwriting it's like some of the like most romantic thing i could ever think of times 10 like it's just so good um and so when i like really like force myself to be present and listen to it try to listen to it with fresh ears or present ears and really pay attention. I can't help, but have a part of me that gets pulled back. Gets, mm. You know, it's that it's so marked of that time for me when I had those crazy big feelings where it's like, so a part of my little spirit soul gets, gets dragged back to that time uh, <laughs> when I, when I listen to it and think about it. Um, and then the other thing I'll say is um I think the other thing that hurts it and helps it or dilutes it like waters waters it down for sure is the the iron and wine version mm -hmm. and the confusion that a lot of people <laughs> have around who wrote that song and like where it came mm -hmm. from like yep 
people I know who like have very good taste in music, like who know a lot about music, like who know probably more than me in general about music are like, wait, wait, the Postal Service wrote that? I thought they covered it. And it's like, come on, man. Come on, man. It's like, yeah, I mean, but I think it dilutes dilutes the song a little bit. And it's one of those songs where a lot of people either heard the Iron and Wine version first or like the Iron and Wine version better, which I think there's an argument to be made for. Yep. Um, but because of that, I think it I think it just it skews everything a little bit where you're like, mm, what part of this am I latching into? I don't know. So I blame Zach Braff, honestly. <laughs> but, a I mean, lot of fair. things, but yeah. A lot of things, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's it's a good reminder for me to I'm gonna use this word because my dad can't pronounce prejudice, so he calls it prejudy. I need to drop my <laughs> prejudy on some of these songs and listen to them objectively. Uh, because yeah, I I I can't see the innate beauty in them because I'm hung up on the fact that it was in an Eminem's commercial. So, yeah, man. I mean, but you're not you're right about that. And it's not it's not something that can be objective. It just is like it requires a lot of effort for me to like yeah. go in and appreciate it. Like normally it's like, oh yeah, I know this song. I can sing along the lyrics and it and it does feel like fluff. It feels very lightweight and whatever. But if you really look at that, like I'm thinking it's a sign that the freckles in our eyes are mirror images. And when we kiss, they're perfectly aligned. Like, come on, man, that's so <laughs> romantic. That's so romantic. Uh, it is. I mean, it's definitely the most romantic sentiment on on any of the albums. I think that we listen to. It's close. Uh, I mean, and and this actually, uh, you know, dovetails with the only other thing that I really I felt like I particularly wanted to talk about about this album and like what these albums meant to me is that I think I think that Ben Gibbard is a really good songwriter, and I think that both of these albums are him at the absolute height of his powers. Um, I, the two things that stick out to me and have stuck out to me upon sort of revisiting and trying to like pick apart why I'm so obsessed with them are like, obviously he just sort of tells a very good story, but I, I feel like <clears throat> he is so good at writing lines that have these inevitable conclusions. It's like, you know, where it's going. And a not so well written song, that's like kind of annoying. Like you're like, okay, yeah, okay, get through it. But with these, they resolve so beautifully and so satisfyingly that you're like, it's 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 completing the musical phrase. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it just I, I it just finds feels so satisfying is the best best word that I can use. And it doesn't feel like cliche, which right. I feel like is what what other lesser songwriters might fall into, or like tropes right like like you said you can see where they're going but that doesn't it doesn't mean it's not fresh and new it just means he's doing a really good job of crafting it to guide you to that place right exactly exactly and when that when that line when he finally finishes out that line and it is the thing that you thought it was going to be but it felt it feels like it was from the very first start of the couplet that it was inevitable you're like Yes, this is the only way that this could have gone. And that is 
And then the second thing that really struck me upon revisiting was about the songwriting specifically was that like this dude can write a metaphor slash simile like nobody fucking else. <laughs> they are so good, dude. It is. They are so simple. They're so beautiful. And uh, particularly like the language feels very plain to me. Um, and I feel like he doesn't fall into the trap of like emo words. Yes. Most of them are good. Not all. <laughs> of them are good. Yeah, fair enough. We're I'm enough. excited. We're I'm excited to hear about which ones you I don't. Think like. We're all we thinking of the same thing. We know. We know which one's gonna. Yeah, but I know. <laughs> I like all of them. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, maybe I'm gonna. Maybe I'm gonna eat my shoe. We're gonna. Right we're gonna make you eat that. Um. Guys, any any last thoughts before categories? Yes. Two trivia questions. Let's go. Mm. All right. The first one, this is really just for Howard uh, because Mouse was at the show with me. Uh, how much do you think I spent on swag at the oh show? My God. Oh, my God. <laughs> you waited in line at the merch table? We both uh, did. All right. Here's a free hit. Well, tell me if you want a hint. I'll give you a hint. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Is it, can I ask <laughs> what items you got, and the, or is that too much of a giveaway? No, I think that's too much of a giveaway. Let, okay, You're let me speculate on this. Yes. Uh, poster, hoodie, some sort of sack, like a tote bag. Let me let me tabulate that a little bit. Tote bag thirty, hoodie. I'll give you I'll give you one hint as I drink from my. Water bottle. <laughs> My death Nalgene. Wow. water bottle. It's, it's honestly sick. pretty. It's sick. It's a sick water bottle. It's uh, a real nice. Nalgene. It's a real Nalgene, which is by far the most important fact about it. Well, you know, they, they have a threshold for quality. I, I'll say $250. Thank God I am under that. Wow. I spent $136. Wow. $136. I got. What, what'd, what'd you get? I got two t shirts, a Nalgene water bottle. And a tote bag. Am I leaving anything else out? I nailed the tote though. Come on. I didn't nailed I didn't realize tote. you got two shirts. The tote was the tote was the I got two shirts. One. I got one that was the tour t-shirt that had sort of both of them. And it was like a black t-shirt and it says in giant, like off-white letters, death cap for cutie, the postal service, like reunion tour. Is that the one that uh, I have? Then... I think that yeah. No, we didn't get the same one. Did we did we get the same one? Uh, oh man. Be very well, sweet if you did. Just every time I see you, I'm going to text you and make sure you don't bring it or wear it. And I'm going to wear um, it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the tote bag. I mean, the merch was quite good, uh, I thought. And uh, your tote bag was great. The yeah, the yeah. graphics were nice. The graphics were nice. Yeah. It was well designed and just like it, it was high quality stuff. Like I wasn't I was as we're coming up to the merch table. I like see the water bottle. I'm like, ooh, that looks cool but it's probably not going to be a real Nalgene. And if it's not a real Nalgene, like I'm not, I don't, I can't, I'm not going to do a crappy water bottle. <laughs> Sorry, man. Uh, I'm too old for that shit. Hold, hold it up to the camera again. I need to, let me see it. So it says death cap for cutie. And then there's a bunch of falling leaves with a city skyline under it. I mean, it's good. It's, Wait, good. it's pretty good. That's yeah. specific for New York then? Or is, is that, what skyline is that? Is no. It no, I think that they use similar art for a different album. 
Yeah, it looked familiar to me. Yeah, a lot of leaves on there. Yeah. <laughs> um, hundred, hundred thirty-six. Not, not, not two hundred and fifty or whatever you said, but uh, I, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I thought you were just popping off, but one thirty-six. Yeah. It's still yeah, it's pretty good bang for buck. Yes, I mean, I would have spent more, but they didn't have a crew neck hoodie, <laughs> crew neck sweatshirt, because you know I have. I'm in the. I'm in many, that phase of my life. I have too many zip hoodies still in my life. Which has I not use changed a new, since the time that these play. albums came out. So yeah, <laughs> wow. All right, my second trivia question, and I am going to be psyched if either of you get this. Oh boy. What 2005 <laughs> blockbuster movie features the sound of settling? And when I say blockbuster, I don't mean released by blockbuster, though it was in <laughs> blockbuster movies. I mean this was a big fucking movie that both of you have seen. 2005 2005 the first thing that popped into my head was the day after tomorrow which is a very funny answer but i don't think it is correct i, I, like, I, I like that answer i wonder though if it's some sort of ironic thing as opposed to straightforward i don't imagine it being in a rom-com um or that's that's i was thinking i'm thinking like blockbuster like spider-man 2 uh, I will give you like I will give you a hint that it is not an action movie in that way. But oh, I am okay. saying it was a big temple movie. Blockbuster movie. Is it, is it a franchise movie? I can guarantee both no, not not a franchise. I can guarantee both of you have seen this. I can almost guarantee both of you have seen this more than once. Uh, and you probably saw it in theaters. You also probably might be surprised that this was 2005. But uh Whew. Do you want me to tell you one of the one of the actors in it? Vince Vaughn was one of the lead actors. Wait, Wedding Crashers? Ding ding ding! It's in Wedding Crashers. That soundtrack whips ass. Actually, that's got Guster in it. You know, there's like a there's a very climactic scene that has a Guster song in it, which oh yeah, when it came out. I hope tomorrow is like today. I hope tomorrow is like today. We got Coldplay, Sparks. Wait, that's pretty good, man. What's Mungo Jerry's on there? What what's um what moment does this play in that movie? That I can't tell you. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to do the do the deep dive. Um, but yeah, Wedding Crashers sound settling bangers. Uh, you know, I don't know that the movie holds up. It sounds like the soundtrack does. I will also say one of my favorite quotes that I insert into basically everything now is when they talk about five generations of large family breeding. I think that's the funniest shit that anyone's ever said. Uh, (laughs) If if I can, I guarantee you that I will insert it into the rest of this episode at some point. (laughs) So... The, the other thing that's funny about this is that 2005 would be still when they would have been selling physical CDs of movie soundtracks. Yes. And I love the idea that you might get Shout, the wedding song, and Sound of Settling back to back if you were just like throwing in a disc man or something like that. That's just an incredible oh. juxtaposition. That was a good one, Hill. 
that Thanks, yeah man. that's that's I was, strong i was trivia. pleased strong uh, when trivia. i saw that i was like holy shit this is impossible <laughs> yeah, um yeah awesome so let's hop into categories um first up oh uh, first up is at the Circle K, Lox Machiavelli, and uh, and Mouse. What was your uh, what was your aim screen name? Mine was Noma is my hero <laughs> with H's instead of R's because uh, the Boston Red Sox were a very big part of my life at that point. Uh, I of course remember that was this. Cool, now. Yeah. It was a very cool screen name to have. Noma, Noma, Noma. <laughs> It was sad um, when he got traded too. It kind of like lost my identity there. I don't know. Yeah, I bet. Um, all right. Uh Mouse, why don't, uh Noma is my hero? Why don't you kick us off? Uh what's your what's what's your lyric that you'd put as a name away message? Man, I <laughs> I put so many of those like in real time. Like this is not a hypothetical. Like these yeah. these happened. Um I was a big fan of of using um whole whole ass stanzas instead of just like one line because i don't know why but i did um definitely i was thinking back i'm like i've used title and registration for sure um i'm also pretty sure i've used like brand new colony uh because the lyrics are so over the top and when i was 16 i was i was entirely too extra of like the uh i'll be the phonograph that plays your favorite albums back to you as you're lying there drifting off to sleep I'll be your winter coat buttoned up and zip straight through the throat with the collar up. So you won't catch cold. seems like a very um, seasonal uh, away message that probably would have used. Um, also, sorry, isn't that about a, a, a post-apocalyptic war zone? Yeah. Well, I, I didn't say I was smart when I was 16. <laughs> I don't think what? I understood subtext. Oh, that's right. It is. <laughs> Sorry, keep, keep it's talking. a metaphor. You get it? <laughs> uh, no, it's that, and, and it's probably passenger seat as well, which is like easy, but you know. Wow. Um, I I can go on this one, and yeah. this is uh, so I'll I'll be fucking straight with you guys. I've done it. I regret it. I've done it. I need you so much closer from the translators. Mm. Just put mm. it there. You know, you're in a long distance relationship. You're feeling sad about it. You're longing. Mm -hmm. I need you so much closer. What what more can I say? Like that that that's I'm a simple man. Those are the words. <laughs> and this is very specifically Elizabeth Gullick. I know you're listening to this. <laughs> Maybe we, we can work it out. You know, send me a name. We'll, 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 let's hatch it out. So absolutely incredible i mean incredible. the fucking hilarious thing is that you guys ran into her at a bar like a week yes ago. that is um, correct <laughs> classic yeah. new york longshoreman bar uh, monteros incredible <laughs> we went to sing karaoke and listened to a lot of karaoke didn't didn't end up shout getting out, shout out Monteros. Long. <laughs> tragic um a-hole what are you what are you popping off um, I think I, I think uh, may have mentioned this in the preview episode, but like every year on the year. So this is the new year and I don't feel any different. It's like, you gotta, you know, yeah. it, like it felt like an obligation. 
at some uh, point. Yeah, that's that's contractually obligated. Yeah, exactly. It, it almost doesn't count. Um, but uh, the other one that really uh, that I picked out as one that I feel like I would have uh, would have posted a lot just because, you know, that's me is uh, and I am finally seeing why I was the one worth leaving. Very self-deprecating. That's super <laughs> as side boy as you can get. Come That's on. is that now? Did you use that one after breakups or just as a catch-all? I didn't do a lot of breaking up, <laughs> <laughs> so it was like more in answer. more in preemptively yeah. the uh-huh. relationship that didn't ever exist not ever existing and failing yeah we'll we'll give that to you as a a mental breakup is that that's probably too charitable yeah that is that is charitable but i will accept the charity uh i'm not above (laughs) that um uh, the other (laughs) yeah that reminds me of uh so in uh in freshman year this girl lived on my hall her name is siggy she was great uh but she started dating this guy named he he was named dc wolf like i don't know what his initial stood for but he went by dc and uh my high school bandmate and i who also went to tufts he uh peter fetterman and i were desperate for the two of them to break up so that we could play dc sleeps alone tonight and it would be like (laughs) the most meta thing in the world turns out they never broke up they got fucking married like a couple of years ago I think Just opportunity. Sure I had a couple classes with that dude. Uh, yeah, uh, he was totally fine. Good for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I played with good for him. Though. I mean, you know, I, I like to think that it, you like reverse cursed him yeah. by being like, yeah. "We really need this to happen," and then it never could. So you yeah. can never, you can never get satisfied. I mean, how many college couples do you all know? Ones that really made it through. I mean, I guess off the top of my head, we know a few, right? Liam Becker. We definitely know a few. Yeah. 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 yeah yeah it was like Shout early freshman year though too it was like first semester freshman year like really in that time of chaos where you're like mm, nothing's gonna last this one did uh wow I, I i i like your want for spite so that you can build good content that's uh fantastic <laughs> it yeah. would have been really good Okay, uh, Ahol, you you kick us off. Chris Crabba, hands down, this is the best day I can ever remember. Moment. What is your favorite moment from either of these two albums? Um. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I have I have two answers. Uh, one for each album, but uh, from Transatlanticism, it's the sound of settling. Um, our youth is fleeting. Old age is just around the bend, and I can't wait to go gray. And I'll sit and wonder of every love that could have been if I'd only thought of something charming to say. Uh, I loved it when I was an adolescent. I'm like, that's fucking brilliant. Uh, and uh, I I still really like it. I think it's like one of the sort of like energy, energetic high points of the album. Uh, it was a delight to hear live. Like I just that that really that really slapped for me. Um, and, uh, off of give up, uh, it's going to be a little controversial, but not controversial, but, uh, almost all of nothing better. I, I loved that. love that song. Um, but 
that same line, I'll be your winter coat, but it zips straight to throat with the collar up so you won't catch cold. I want to take you far from the cynics in this town and kiss you on the mouth. It's like, again, I just think like these albums, there, there are points in these albums that are just so romantic. I'm a sucker. Clearly. A self-deprecating <laughs> sucker. I like yeah. it. Yeah. The highs and the lows. Mouse? I think it's, I mean, this is the cliche, but it's it's transatlanticism for me. Um, I think both, you know, on the album and in person, just, you know, it's it's hard to beat. Um, and it's it's obviously it's one of those ones where I kind of assume if you're Ben Gibbard when you write it and when you put it, you know, you actually record the version of it that you want to record. Are you kind of like, oh, that's it. Like that was that was my my pinnacle. That was mm -hmm. my peak. And like everything after this is gravy. But like I, I hit on my masterpiece, so to speak. Um, and I kind of I mean. That's how I feel about it as a song, but but I think the ability to do it live in the way that they do it as well is like it's impressive that they are amount they're able to pack that amount of emotion into what is a really slow song in an arena and still have mm -hmm. it resonate in the same way. People are hooked on every note. Uh, I, I yeah. think they're feeling they're feeling their way through the entire song just occurred to me in this moment that that song uh actually kind of reminds me of goodbye sky harbor like yeah 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 the the way you're sort of like in the in the ether of it um mm -hmm. and just sort of like i don't know i just feel like when i listen to that song like i'm almost hypnotized into it or like i'm yeah. I, there's there's some sort of like sign brainwave that syncs up with that song and i'm just like i don't know and I, I i the juxtaposition of like when you like go and like look up the lyrics or whatever you're like okay i need you so much closer i need you so much closer. okay 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 but it's like <laughs> when you're listening to the song it's so it is it's, that. it's really funny to read the lyrics on paper when you don't have the music on and you're just yeah. looking it up because you're like what okay yeah but with the with the the arrangement it's, it's the emotive and yeah it's it's interesting too a the the kind of hypnotic part that you're talking about it, it's even from the outset like the chugging noise the atmospheric chugging noises that they have yeah I, I don't know what they did to replicate that i forget at, at the concert but um it is it is quite immersive especially when you see it live so i think that that's um myers that's that's a good one and clearly, I think was the emotional peak for pretty much everyone at the show. Um, so yeah, I like, I like that one. For me, this—I oh, I mean, it's the same answer that I had going into the show. Like, I just really like the blue balling that Natural Anthem gives you, and <laughs> just making you wait for it for four minutes uh, and you can just feel that static electricity and tension build up in the song. And then it, it, it kind of pops into the vocals and you get like 30 seconds of vocals and then it's it. Like, I, I think there's something really rewarding about, I don't like 
electronic music and like the beat drop, but it is kind of like you wait for the drop and it is, it, it feels good. And, and it ties to, you know, that's the long last song on the album. And it also reminds me so much of like the first song that's not even a postal server song. It's a D'Intel Ben Gibbard collaboration, like the, the dream of Evan and Chan or whatever, like the first song that right. they collaborated, like, those songs sound so similar to me. And I think it's really cool that they're basically bookends to each other of like this short, just flair that these two people put together. Um, so yeah, on the album, it's it's like, that. that's the one for me. But I, I know it's like, it's interesting. If you look at the listen count, it's like by far the least listened to song on that album. And I I wow. wonder if, hmm. I don't know. I, I I wonder what you guys think about it if you guys think I'm like completely off base or if, um, yeah, if, 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 if this feels makes you feel something. You, you know, it's an interesting thing. Um, I think both of these albums, both because of when they came out and because of the bands that they were and then kind of their style are so um, mixtape and playlist ready. And I think and I, I know this because I've I've made this calculation myself of not putting it on a mixtape because I, I was like, this is too long. Like if I put this on, I have to put this at the end mm. of the the playlist or I have to put this at the end of the mixtape because otherwise they're going to like zone out. And I'm somebody who's very obsessive in playlists about they're having a rhythm to it. Um so that maybe that's part of it is is I like length alone and, and kind of the, the long sonic preamble that goes on there. It's an ender yeah. song for sure. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's I am I am pretty surprised actually by how you know, I just looked it up as you're you mentioned this, but how it's, it's like by a lot, how discrepantly not listened to it is. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if some of that is like how many seconds of listening it takes to count as a listen or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and so people just tap out. But uh, that that surprises me because I actually think that like, especially in terms of like drawn out ender tracks, this one is good, like really good. Yeah, it's not agreed. one that I'm like, God, this just goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, it's, it's not goodbye, Sky. <laughs> <laughs> right which i also ended up really liking so maybe i'm just like maybe i swing the other way there's a part of me that's like i don't want to like the hit as much as i like that weird ender track um that's the hipster in me that got conditioned mm -hmm. by this album when i listened to it before everybody but so it, so it goes <laughs> uh one thing that this uh, talking about this song did make me think of was another uh, to your unanswerable question about uh sort of defining albums um I think there's probably a Radiohead album in there, like the Benz or OK Computer that are probably yeah. straight. I mean, I feel like people love Kid A or hate Kid A. Isn't that one the one that's like really polarizing? It's, it's electronic. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like the full switch yeah. to yeah. they were sick of playing rock music and wanted to do something different. Yeah. So uh, and they did. They went to, to the off. System Shock. Yeah. Yeah. 
we don't need to go off totally on that that tangent, but um, that that's another one that I think probably should should have an honorable mention in that same space of like, yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> cool. Next one. Well, I guess this is growing up. Um, wait, <laughs> what's uh, this is the song or moment that most maps to growing up and being 30-ish years old. Sorry, I, it's been so long that I fucking forgot what this category is. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> oh, man. It's incredible. We got there. We got there in the end. It's a mush through. Okay. Uh, Aol, what you, what you packing? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, and we'll talk about this a little more when we talk about stuff that doesn't age well, but I, I feel like this, this, both of these albums age incredibly well. I it is remarkable to me how much they hold up. Uh, I am sure there's some nostalgia uh, at play there, but they are they are so good and uh, yeah. Um, I think the there's one line in particular. Uh, I, I felt like actually in this re listen uh, uh, passenger seat. I I enjoyed a lot more than I ever did as a kid. That whole song. I'm like, oh yeah, this is you know wonderful and i know i've used this adjective a lot but it's like very beautiful and very romantic mm, um so romantic but the the line that stuck out to me in particular that it just is like i can't this is to me this is like bottled lightning of capturing a feeling is like when you feel embarrassed then i'll be your pride when you need directions then i'll be your guide for mm. all time and it's like that is just like i that is like such a great description of the absolute feeling that I, that I have for my partner. It's just like, I want, how can I, how can I make you see what I see? Uh, so I, that, that line really, really stuck out to me. As, as the wife guy anthem. As the wife guy anthem. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Jesus. Uh, the, <laughs> it's very most emotional the show's ever gotten holy shit i mean sorry not sorry <laughs> fucking emo show about emo what do you want from me man um yeah so the other thing that i really liked uh and this is sort of a thing that specifically ages well but i've always liked this uh is is and i found it find it really compelling is when musicians can write about sex in a way that is tasteful and sort of like delicate like not super heavy-handed i think damian rice does it really well i think jeff buckley does it um but i i think that there are a few lines in transatlanticism that also really hit that um a lot of we look like giants um right, right. but when every thursday i'd brave those mountain passes and you'd skip your early classes and we'd learn how our bodies worked um and uh uh, I wanted to believe uh, from tiny vessels as well. Um, like uh, I wanted to believe in all the words that I was speaking as we moved together in the dark. And then also the, the line about like the bruises forming on a neck, like who writes about a hickey in a way that is like, sounds good. I don't know. So um, that was another thing that I just feel like ages well, because it's just well done, um, but it's just good songwriting. Um, Mouse, you want to, you want to go next? Ooh, stole stole your thunder, Howard. You wanted to go? No, no, go, 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 Howard. Go, Howard. <laughs> no, I no, I I was gonna do an unanswerable question facetiously about whether or not we think that Ben Gibbard is 
good at sex. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I tell you what, I bet he's better at sex now than he was when he wrote these songs. <laughs> uh, Myers, you, you uh, please. Uh, I think it's, and maybe this is partially seasonal too, being that that it's November and we're we're getting towards the end of the year. But I, I think the new year maps well in that I've always read the lyrics as being both heavily nostalgic, but also kind of yearning for the freedom of not having responsibility, if that makes sense. Um, and being able to throw all of that off and be kind of carefree. Um, but also the like, oh, when I turn this age, I'm going to feel completely different, right? Like things are going to mm. be different. It's like, no, you're still the same person um but you know i think that's that is very much a uh 30s not angst i would say but more of a, a more self-reflective nature if that makes sense yeah and and that's one of the things that sticks out about this album to me like i think i touched on the idea of like this the like asshole main character in media that i really sympathized with when i was an adolescent and it wasn't until i was older and a little more mature that i was like oh that guy's the bad guy and the, like that guy's the asshole so like high fidelity high like fidelity, rob yeah. gordon is like an asshole he's an asshole full stop and like no, i was like a, i want to be just music. like for so cool. long i was like i want to be this guy and then i was like oh, no i know that guy fucking sucks and um and like you know both of these albums but particularly transatlanticism i feel like is sort of striking for that time of being reflective of that. Like it's not afraid of those feelings, something like, um, like tiny vessels or whatever, like she was beautiful, but she didn't mean, mean a thing to me. Like it, it is, it is acknowledging the compulsions of that and that, that archetype, but not in the way that I feel like so much of the rest of, emo music and media was like sort of it leaning into that kind of kind of thing but maybe that's because it's not emo music good question good mm. point <laughs> not Howard, uh, one of our categories uh, no 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 i mean yes <laughs> um what what did you have for this category howard i uh, no, i just i i wrote down two words and punctuation the aching dot 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 um uh, through transatlanticism just the feeling of like yearning and uh i don't know it's it's it i felt it when i was 18 i felt it in relationships when i was in my 20s and my 30s like yeah, I, I I just think that he does a really good job of capturing a little bit of the feeling of like grasping, gasping for for air in a relationship and just wanting more and more and more. And I I, I don't know, like, um, yeah, there's something about that that probably no matter what age I am, it's it's gonna resonate and and hit with me on on some level. So it's it's more kind of that emotion and impressionistic feeling more so than like specific lyrics. But um yeah. 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 There's he captured something very specific about the human experience. Like it's <laughs> like it's like this is good art 
because it captured a truth about life, I feel like. And like a thing that so many people have felt in different ways. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, this is the first song for your mixtape. What uh, what song are you going to put on a mix for a girl? Howard, why don't you lead us off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I, I'm As we go through these categories, I tend to try to think of like, oh, what are you all going to put? And for this one, I actually don't have any clue because I think we've touched upon a lot of romantic songs. These, I mean, again, maybe because these aren't truly emo albums, I think there are a lot of contenders here. The thing mm. that, that got to me and, and that, really put me on my feels especially live was passenger seat like by a mile i i just think that like the it to your point just an absolutely gorgeous song gentle and this feeling of like really giving yourself to your partner is is such a beautiful sentiment and um yeah it, this was actually the moment during the concert where I started to get like really contemplative and, and like just considering my whole romantic history and like, what, what is love? Right. And the funny thing is that uh, I was there with Resnick and we, we had brought like a bunch of candy there and, you know, at the peak of me being in my emotions and like almost being to tears, he kind of turns to me, and he has like a Reese's in his mouth and he's just like, I can eat about a hundred of these. <laughs> <laughs> and that oh, kind of broke the of emotion. <laughs> That's, that is, that is perfect. Incredible. <laughs> Boy, I do love Reese's. <laughs> Still romantic That's incredible. Though, regardless of that. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'll I'll go with that, but um, Ahol would love to hear what you got here. Yeah, I, I mean the biggest thing I have is finally we have some options in this category. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I don't think I have anything particularly new to write. I I noted down passenger seat. Uh, this is maybe going to be a little bit of a tepid tepid to lukewarm take, but uh, such great heights. Uh, it's a little trite in 2023, but in 2003, you feel like the fucking man putting it on a mixtape because you're like, I'm introducing you to this beautiful song, probably that you or you already know it and we can hipster out about it together. Um, and then it brand new colony. You feel like the man. Yeah. Yeah. As somebody who did that. Yes. Correct. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, brand new colony is the other one. Uh, just. Good metaphors, well-written, energetic, optimistic. Everyone knows this is about a post-apocalyptic war zone, right? Like, yeah, well, it's nice. <laughs> it's quiet, I'm sure, right? Like, what, what is happening? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Sorry, is that I the metaphor I that you hate? Here, you, you go. You, you, no, you, it's cool. Uh, that's that's all I got. Uh, Myers, how about you? Um. I, I've already spoken about title and registration. That is one that I definitely have put on ones before in part, because I think it's also most accessible of, of that album. You don't need the context of the rest of the album to enjoy it. Um, mm. I considered being my peak hipster asshole 
and for the Postal Service saying the B-side uh, cover of Against All Odds. Fuck off. Which is... <laughs> <laughs> I mostly wanted that reaction from Howard. It is a great song, but I, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that. I think it's it's actually maybe Clark Gable, uh, which I don't even know. It's not probably not even like my top three of songs on that. But I think it's uh, it's easier to sell to somebody if you don't know their music tastes, and it's very like upbeat and and lighthearted. I would say. Against All Odds was definitely one of the songs that was on my cobbled together version. The album, yeah. Yeah, I Hell just yes. I just didn't I didn't realize that until this moment. And I was like, wait, it, what? that it is in fact a postal service cover of Against All Odds and not just a LimeWire special. Correct. It's a great I mean, song. It's, was, it is, it's, I, it's a great song. It's great. It's a, it, it's a yeah. great song. Yeah. That's good. But uh yeah. but I did want that reaction forward. Uh, yeah, you still you still piss me off for sure but it's off, no doubt about that all right next one boys like you are a dime a dozen should we have considered any other albums from either of these artists as part of this double future uh Myers? so i actually went back and listened to some previous postal service or uh not postal service uh <laughs> surprise no no you didn't <laughs> we listened to against all odds <laughs> yeah no, I, just, I just listened to a bunch of b-sides over and over again and the dream of evan and chan um no the, the their earlier albums for death cab are not emo i would say there are some that like there's songs on some right that you could that wouldn't sound out of place on like an american football album from the late 90s which was like their contemporaries so because i think most people would call american football emo right like that's oh a hundred very much yeah like when so like there's third wave emo right they're like some of the most emo emo right. uh yeah and so i think, I think the some end of the those... second wave early third oh. wave maybe all right, all right. Uh, I think some of those songs, not the whole albums, but some of those songs um, would fit in, but not enough to make an entire album. So no. Yeah, so that's a no. Clear enough. It's a, my long-winded way of saying, go listen to those earlier albums, because they're actually very good. Uh, I think the moment, everything after Transatlanticism would not come close to being qualified as, as emo, I would say. Too, too smooth. Um, yeah. I mean, well, I, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think there's just, obviously Death Cap's the only one, but you could maybe make a case for plans, but I, I still think Transatlanticism is it. Yeah, I mean, not only from like a sonic perspective, but also just like culturally relevant. Like they're not going to do the plans 20th anniversary tour, right? Like, no, I don't think. Well, I mean, well, I don't know. This one went pretty well. Maybe they're like. Let's just do a reunion tour for every one of our albums. I mean, like, I Will Follow You Into the Dark has to be their most listened to song, right? I, oh, I don't that know. That's true. Got it. Is that true? Yes. Is By, it? like, I a mile. Yes. Really? True. I'm, I'm looking at the Spotify right now. That was like I Will like Follow You Into the Dark, hit. 297 million. Soul Meets Body, 118 million. Oh, Soul Meets Body. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that album, that album did numbers. What the Tran- fuck? Transatlanticism, 56 million. That's fascinating. Transatlantic- but Transatlanticism didn't have like radio hits in the same way. No, like no, it's a whole not. album listen. Right. I also think uh without veering into OC talk, I think uh yeah. they got the Seth Cohen bump. Like yes, because yes. I think Transatlanticism. Uh, which has been making out... the rounds on social media lately. Yes, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> and you know, I definitely remember uh specifying that I listened to Death Cab before uh the OC came out. So awesome. and having to defend my my uh, my tastes from that in high school, the, the now, it helped that I bought a leather cuff for my wrist, like Ryan Atwood. It did oh, not. Oh my but, god! Uh, Do you know what's the theory, baby? See, this is what we've been <laughs> needing this whole podcast. Someone who else who listens, watches the OC. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah no. Well, this, uh, season one, season two. I don't remember much past that, but yeah, season three was good. After four, how many seasons were there? there are no, like spoilers, no spoilers, no spoilers. Okay, <laughs> that's there's definitely not seven seasons. They 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 crashed at they 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 burned hot and bright on season one, and then uh, it, it kind of fell off. I know someone got in a car. Accident. Great music though. There were four. There were four. Mm, what you say? <laughs> All right, your so last summer award. Uh, the part that has not aged well. Myers, I think it's time. Are you ready to talk about it? Uh-oh. Did we lose Myers? We lost him. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The sauna is a Faraday cage, apparently. <laughs> Wait, I can hear you. The, can you not hear me? For, we, for can, the we can now. Are you, are you back, Myers? You can hear me? Okay. Sort I've of. I've lost video. <laughs> Maybe turn off your video. Save it's, some bandwidth. I think it's my internet. Yeah, it definitely. I is. think it's the I mean, fact I'm that restart. you're calling I'm... from a sauna. Yeah, that's a good idea. Actually, what's happening? I'm actually, I'm actually uh, not in the sauna anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm on the floor next to the sauna where there's a plug. Can you hear me all right though? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, uh, that's right. better. I'm good now. Well, I turned off the video. Myers, you missed your cue. This was your chance <laughs> to really uh, take the corner of really advocating for the worst lyric of all time. It, it It's so bad. Okay. And uh, I say that not as a, just as a sports fan, but it's, it's stilted even if you didn't <laughs> like sports. <laughs> right. Agree with you 100%. So... Just to make it super explicit, the line, I can't accept that it's over. Then I will block the door like a goalie goal. No, a goalie tending the net in the third quarter of a tied game rivalry. That fucking sucks. (laughs) Tied game rivalry genuinely makes me want to turn off, like skip the song. (laughs) Like that, that phrase, like a tied game rival. Nobody... Nobody talks like that. It's this is Bill O'Reilly fucking thing sucks right now. Like I'm so yes. angry that this made its way onto our podcast and has polluted this episode. It was going so well. And we have to talk about this. 
Like it just the tie game rivalry thing reminds me of the thing that drives me crazy sometimes is when people can't talk about sports like seriously. So like, oh, uh-huh. like let's go play some sports ball or how's how's the sports yeah, ball it's, game? Like it's like that level of it's detachment. superb owl, superb owl shit. <laughs> That's what that is. Um yeah, so here's you know also what, what do you hate about has it? a goalie what sport has a goalie and and plays four quarters that is it lacrosse knows no howard see, knows see. ask ask lax machiavelli <laughs> <laughs> uh so right technically maybe ben gibbard is a closet lax bro in in the hotbed of w- w- seattle washington or whatever the fuck mercer island i don't know but here's the fucked up thing is we tried to the world tried to give him the out that oh maybe you're talking about lacrosse i read an interview where he said nope <laughs> i fucked up i don't understand sports i was trying to talk about hockey so there's no way how ben Gibbard, you done goofed all right like <laughs> <laughs> Just... I can't believe he blew up his own spot. He blew oh up his own God. fucking spot. It's bro. also funny because even oh, even if God. he was talking about it, why would it be? Why would you want to specify it was the third quarter? Nobody cares about the third quarter. You got plenty of <laughs> time to make back. Why is it the third quarter of a tied game rivalry? <laughs> third period? Sure, okay. Third quarter. Even just saying that it's a it's a quarter. There's four. It's, right. I, you know, the fact that it's, it's tied doesn't. Yeah, it means God. nothing. Incredible. Yeah. We, I'm glad that I'm not the only one who. And it's funny because I I love Ben Gibbard as a songwriter, which is why this is even more incredible. That this is just such a. It's a miss. It's a big old miss. Oh, I need God. like a notes app apology from him, explaining this. <laughs> I mean, I believe there's an entire internet discourse about how bad this lyric is. Like, it's it's okay, it's a known thing that like everyone is just trying to sting his ass for because it is it's that bad. It's it's that bad, especially in light of and relative to like w- what he we know he's capable of. Right? We're not we're not mad. Yes. We're disappointed. That's exactly right. Ahol, what do, what are your thoughts on the? <laughs> The topic at hand, you've been a little bit quiet. I'm a little nervous about. I, I, what do I have to say? I'm not going to be a Ben Gibbard apologist. Like, <laughs> that, you know, that lyric sounds great. And under any scrutiny, 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 <laughs> it crumbles like a house of cards. It's nothing. It's a, it's like, yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> it sounds wonderful. Okay. Don't think about it. Yes, sort of. Except that all of these albums are intended to be thought about. So, um, do you have a counter answer to this being your so last summer award? Or no, no, I, I I had a lot of trouble with this. Um, the the only thing that I felt like even was remotely relevant was, um, I think you could make the case. I think you would have a hard time, but you could make the case that 
like some of the electronic musics on uh, electronic instruments on give up musics the electronic instruments on give up sound a little thin and a little mm. of the time um, yeah it's it's it but i don't know that that's not on purpose like i don't know that they were aiming for something different than that so yeah i i can definitely hear that it's, it's not it's not the uh the camera the sound other, effect at the start of the fall away album. <laughs> oh, what's up Mars? uh-oh sorry my 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 thing was slowing down again I think it's fine. Um, the the other piece of trivia that I found out when I was thinking about this, not not about the uh, tied game rivalry for once, uh, my least favorite song I think on Transatlanticism, which is "Death of an Interior Decorator." Yep. Are you familiar with what the lyrics are about? Well, because that maybe doesn't age so great. Uh, it is the topic of the next. That that's my winner for the next category um oh interesting okay well then let's let's roll into that yeah let's do it so next category our laura made us change the name of the song so we wouldn't get sued award what is the most appropriate song title or lyric um death of interior for me it's death of interior decorator not because of the title because but the the lyrics and the theme myers you keep me honest here my understanding is this is about like a woody allen movie and it is a retelling of the plot of the movie interiors by Woody Allen. I just don't like the way that anything sounds in, in the song and 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 any of the phrasing. It just feels really awkward and stilted. But Myers, I think what you might be angling for as well is some sort of like a Me Too angle, if I'm not under uh, not mistaken. Uh, yeah, uh, Woody Allen famously, uh, shall we say, problematic because. Um, married married his, his stepdaughter um which is not great Yeesh. uh by, by any stretch of the imagination um but also the song itself feels incredibly out of place on the album um not if it was not about a woody allen movie i would say thematically you could see where it would fit in with certain certain themes but it lyrically is just very strange to me <laughs> and actually when i when i realized that it was about interiors i was like oh well at least that makes sense but it doesn't make it good per se have you seen that particular film in question or you just saying... i i have not i have not i don't know that i've ever seen any woody allen film annie hall no manhattan I don't know what that is. That's Borough in New York City. No, remarkable. So sorry, I'm I'm, I'm a West I mean, Coast, East Coast guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he uh, Ben Gibbert said like right before they played this song, he said all of the songs that we're going to play tonight are true except this one, which was. And he, I believe the way he said it was, which was by a guy who is now canceled. And oh, I didn't hear that. Oh, yeah, he said I, that. I and totally I was like, missed that. I, well, it's because I remember asking you, do you, what is this song about? And I think you were like, oh, it's about a Woody Allen movie or something. And I was like, oh. But I, mean, I was like frantically Googling, like, what the fuck? What's going on? 
yeah. during the show, yeah. which was it. such a funny, funny little throwaway comment. Um, yeah, that's funny because he, yeah, interesting. But I, I liked the preamble, which is like all of these songs are true except this one, which I think speaks to what you guys were talking about. Like, if yeah. if there is if there is a fault across all of these two albums, it's, it's probably this one, right? I mean, maybe the lawyer should have changed the name of the song so that they don't get sued. <laughs> like that, <laughs> like it's not doing any favors for them. Um, a hole. What do you What do you have here? Uh, that is exactly what I had. Yeah, yeah. Just, I, I like. I felt myself getting angry as we yeah. were talking about it. Like the past yeah. uh, categories have not been great in terms of. I just have gotten spun up a little bit on on it. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there we go. Um, let's see. You want to enter the next one? Sure. Thanks for the memories. Would you go see this band in concert? Obviously, this is a sort of a, a silly category, but uh, the one thing that I, I'll just lead off with this, and you guys can feel free to add anything you have, but uh, yes, obviously we did. Uh, I would go again. I would go again tomorrow. If I had been able to go to both of the shows in New York and I had gone on the first night, I would have tried to buy tickets for the second night. Uh, everybody hates when somebody, po nobody gives a shit, I should say, when somebody <laughs> posts a concert video on their Instagram or whatever. But when I was That's like- That's why I do it. Thinking through, <laughs> but I was thinking through some of these categories and like revisiting some of the video and stuff that I took. I was like, I want to go to this show again. Like- I, you guys go to a lot more live music than I do, I think, in general. Um, so maybe this was just like me becoming reacquainted with how awesome and fun that can be. But man, it, I I was like, I like in in the in the space of not being able to go to the show again, I almost wanted to like find a YouTube video of the whole show. Wow. Um, so I, I just yeah, I thought it was great, and yeah, I would go again. So I think. Um... I, you you pointed out that we go to a lot to a lot of live music and that's definitely yeah. true i think separate from how i feel about their albums which is very uh, I, I like them very much and how my experience was for this i think what struck me a little bit about seeing them this time compared to when i saw them when i was whatever it was 16 or 17 um is just how tight of a show it is mm. um and I, i've been you know some of my favorite concerts are are bands that were not tight right that it was just like a you know just an incredible show but not you know kind of all over the place like that mm -hmm. those are not necessarily correlated but i will say like weirdly enough the two bands that i that come directly to mind when i think about this are them and phoenix who i was lucky enough to see one in san francisco and like a something about just like everybody being knowing exactly what their role is on stage mm. and executing it perfectly but not robotically because i've seen that too right where it's like, like you know people who tour too much where it just it's clearly just like they're going through the motions it is not that they are just tight and it comes from, I think, from playing together since the late 90s, which is huge. But also that, like I said earlier, like they clearly were having so much fun with it. Mm. So you get the practiced nature of it with still all of the, the emotion and the joy. 
I like it. I like it. It's it's palpable, right? Um, yeah. I I just put a gif of Dave Hester from Storage Wars just saying, "Yep, <laughs> yep." That's fucking dumb. Oh my god, I can't believe you're talking about Storage Wars on this podcast, dude. <laughs> Ah damn! Oh man! I've, oh, I've ruined the highbrow podcast that we have. Yeah, man, you just like a goalie letting in a goal in the third quarter of a tie game rivalry. I can't believe you just did that. Just let one go by. <laughs> oh, all right. Let's keep it moving. We're gonna keep it moving. I'll make it up to you by giving you this category. Great. Yeah, that's right. You've been waiting episodes for this. Yes. yes. I, actually, no, it's not this. It's not this. It's not, it's not the, yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm a big dork and I listen to emo music and I'm dating her award anymore. It's whatever the fuck the One Tree Hill thing is. So No, the, no, no, no. It's the OC one. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm a big dork and I listen no, no, to emo no. and I'm dating her. We switched it. Remember, we switched it. No, no, no. For this one, we're switching it back. <laughs> Okay. Sitting in the closet listening to Loser Rock. Uh was this was one of the songs from this album an episode title in One Tree Hill? If not, which should it have been? Now, this one we're going back to the OC because it was everywhere in the fucking OC. Seth Cohen loves Death Cab. That's his favorite song. Um and I have a trivia question uh in particular. Oh. And I, I obviously this is so I, I directed one at Howard. I had to come up with one for Mouse. Uh, here is your trivia question. Um, uh, and I, I guess Howard can guess, but Seth Cohen claims he is writing a Chrismica hymn set to the tune of which Death Cab song from this album? Can I answer this? Is this for me? Myers, yeah, it's, it's it. a lack of color. It's a lack of color. Which is a is a psychotic no choice. Yeah, it's a psychotic choice. That is, that's good. Absolutely. I mean, incredible. it's incredible, and I I I hope somewhere in in either Adam Brody or, or Adam Schwartz or uh, Ben Schwartz's uh, file somewhere there is that song because I would love to hear it, but I bet it's terrifying. Are we supposed to like Seth Cohen? Yes. Well, my my theory is that initially you were not. Well, I think you're supposed to like him, but I think he's supposed to be the, the sidekick. And I think throughout the series that changes dramatically. And I think a lot of that you can tie to the rise of uh, the indie soft boy uh, in the culture, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. The Jimmy worlds of the world. <laughs> yes. Or maybe I should have said the Jimmy Eats of the world. <laughs> Attorney's world. Oh, man. Um, I mean, he's supposed to be like annoying and shitty, kind of shitty. And stu- I mean, he is he is actually very much that archetype of the like self-pitying dude who stabs himself in the stomach and goes, I can't believe she did that to me. Like, yes, he definitely yes, fits 100 percent. So are you supposed to well, like him or well, hate him? Speaking speaking as somebody who did not not resemble that personality wise in high school, 
the irony of this is I think the the Seth Cohens of the world watched the OC and were like, oh, I want to be like Ryan Atwood. Instead of being like, oh, representation for me on the screen. That's that guy's supposed to be me in this role. That's funny. I definitely did not want to be Ryan Atwood at all. I thought he was much cooler. And then I was like, oh, no, that's me. That one over there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I guess I just had, I had never, ever, ever in my whole life did I ever have any illusions about being cool. So I was like, that is not, I'm not going to, like, I'm never going to attain that. So why would I idolize it? I think what was funny about it was that Ryan ended up not being cool. Like yeah, yeah. well, he also was, like they cool, also turned him worked. into a nerd. Yeah. Yeah. You have demons or? And now he's, uh, now he's, he's he taken what? down. What did you say? I asked if he, if he had demons or did everyone. Oh, have... yeah. Oh, oh, oh he yeah, had, that's... he had the demon, <laughs> demons. the most, he came from Chino, man. You don't know about Chino? <laughs> he wore, you could tell he had demons because he wore uh, a zip up gray sweatshirt with the waffle lining and had a choker and um and, and the leather and, cuff and leather leather cuffs um and he would put yeah. them on every three episodes when he decided he was going to run away this time but the leather cuff was cool the leather cuff was so cool uh-huh <laughs> it was it looks anything that they sold at american eagle in uh 2003 was cool that's what I'm taking away from this. True facts. Undeniable. Guys, did we answer any of this question? Like, do we know what was on the fucking soundtrack or? Uh, no, it was not on, on One Tree Hill. And uh, uh, I think Sound of the Settling was on the OC. There, I think they had more than one. A Lack of Color did end up on the OC, I think. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I think. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this is might be the peak of. Actually, no, this category doesn't exist anymore. What the hell? I'm 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 getting all tripped up. Now. <laughs> like, this definitely would be the peak, uh, but uh, the peak. it it is not. Yeah. Uh, there are no song titles from this album in One Tree Hill, which really actually surprised me a little bit. Yeah, that, that's a little surprising, but I think probably they like it was the OC's corner. They yeah. could have done post yeah, service, true. but they couldn't do that's Death Cab. It also maybe dovetails nicely with our next category. Ooh, I love it. So this ain't a scene. Is this emo? Are are can you can you make the case for either of these albums that they're emo? I mean, postal service definitely not. It's just yeah, here right. as an accessory because it's related. Uh, I don't know that you can make any sort of case that transatlanticism is an emo album but actually no you and i kind of got into it a little bit earlier a few episodes about this so i'm curious more about your take but i just tend to have i'm a simple boy and for me if it doesn't really sound like it has a root in hardcore or in punk it doesn't i don't think it's emo and and i find no trace of that especially on the album versions of these songs now Maybe it sounds and hits a little bit different when it's live, but fundamentally, like I, I don't, I don't see how I can bucket it. Like, it's one of the things that I would call it's adjacent. It's definitely the people that liked emo started to listen to this, and honestly, probably this was an off ramp for people to stop listening to emo. That's the way, that's the way it was for me. But 
I don't I don't know that I would call this an, an emo album, but I'm curious, Ahol, I know that you have a take on this and, and Myers as well. I, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I agree. Postal Service, no. Uh, it, I, it, it feels incorrect to me to say that Death Cab isn't emo. Like that, that, that feels incorrect to me. Um, you know, one of the definitions, you know, we have been a, doing a good job of not officially defining it, right? Because I think that other, if we do, then it's just not interesting to talk about. And because I, it's there's shades of gray, but Jay's definition of like um, melodic vocals over gritty instrumentation, like it does not match that definition. Um, but like uh, when I was thinking about it, I'm like, wh like what, what separates this from um, from dashboard? Like what makes this not emo? Where the places you have come to fear the most was and maybe you can make some arguments about like uh especially in the recorded versions the emotion that he is throwing at it maybe um the the other thing that i was about is something we talked about earlier which is like this album is actually fairly mature and it is not that angsty is is that what's what's making it feel that way I think that that that's a great way of looking at it, the maturity, and it's almost mm. more reflective than it is mm. angsty in the moment. So mm. when I think of Dashboard, I think of somebody like a lot of his lyrics are written from the perspective of somebody who is either currently getting their heart broken or has had their heart broken very recently and is like not come to terms with it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And transatlanticism to me feels like somebody looking back over like a longer period of time and looking back at relationships or whatever it might be and thinking about like, you know, being nostalgic about it in some ways. But I, I don't think for whatever reason, emo and nostalgia don't necessarily fit together lyrically for me. I don't know if that's correct, but that's just more like a vibes thing for me more than anything else um and it's part of the reason why i think i wouldn't say that death cab isn't emo i would say that transatlanticism is more emo influenced so mm. i like i was getting getting into this a little bit earlier when i said like i think some of their earlier stuff is closer to emo than mm. this album is like champagne from a paper cup or one of those yeah, songs yeah. like those are those have a lot more in common with what we traditionally think of as emo bands. And I think this is their like almost having grown out of it phase, uh, but still influenced obviously by like music that they, they made in the nineties. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I wonder, I don't know enough about like early death cab and who are some of the contemporaries and, when they were coming up, who were some of the shows that they played with and who are, who are those artists? Like, I think part of the reason that uh, Dashboard gets bucketed into emo is, A, I mean, Chris Robert was in like a Christian emo band like for right. forever. And, and then B, even when he started to do his own solo thing, I think he was playing at shows with 
other established like true like email bands. So he right. just was as part of that wave. And I, I don't know that Def Cab had something analogous to that, but I, I really like your your points around what's the distance from the emotion. And perhaps a lot of what I feel and what feels emo to me traditionally is, yeah, it's like the reaction. It's it's like immediately turning around and writing the lyric as opposed to, I don't know, going to therapy, metabolizing it and and like writing about <laughs> yeah. it wistfully, right? Like that's what the death cab thing feels a lot more like, um, especially on transatlanticism and afterwards. But it's a really, really interesting point that I, had, I hadn't thought about. I, I like that angle. And just to say it, I think say really the same thing, but in a slightly different way, but like the um, introspective versus like, versus like the projected emotion of mm -hmm. it. Um, I, when you said, you know, that sort of introspective part, I feel like that is actually a pretty, pretty good, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of things that I would sort of traditionally think of as emo are like not introspective, even if they are about what's going on inside, it's about like, right getting that emotion out of you as opposed to reflecting on that i think that's right i think it's right as a side note uh the the guy from washed up emo says that both are uh both are emo bands both are emo? Po postal postal service death, death cab and postal service yeah no 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 we're gonna deep uh... this guy like this is wrong <laughs> <laughs> oh man wow. uh that's some bullshit and now we can't trust anything. Canceled by unlistenables. <laughs> uh, okay. A decade under the influence. I think there are a lot of options here. What song are either of you all doing at karaoke? Kick us off, Myers. Uh, none of them well. Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll say that much. I think probably and this is purely more related to my my brand of karaoke is going for uh crowd pleasers that people will actually like want to sing along to and i think that's that's probably such great heights i think it would be really funny if you did transatlanticism because it would it would take a really long time but it could be great that'd be incredible you're both thinking about it I, I'm I'm thinking about what that scene would would be like. People would just be tearing their face apart with tears. Yeah, it'd be it'd be great. Like, I, yeah, interesting, interesting. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't recommend it. No, but... <laughs> no, no. Uh, I might do it. This is the kind of thing that I would convince Jenny to do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I can't can't wait. Uh, I feel like there's a there's a really good duet in Nothing Better. I feel mm -hmm. like that would be really, really fun. Um, besides such great heights. I mean, such great heights is sort of the the obvious one to me. Uh, except people might start throwing MMs at you from from the audience, but so be it. Howard, what you got? No, that's it. Uh, I literally that was the phrase I put do it with nothing better. I love the interplay and back and forthness between the male and the female parts they act that out in concert like yeah i think it's really fun um yeah. and yeah like it's you just need to find your your jenny lewis who can or is is this a jenny lewis one or is this this is so, jen wood enough, i think it is not right? jenny, jenny lewis 
Jen Wood. Yeah, yeah. She, Jen but Wood. Jenny has jumped in on all the live performances. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Um, actually, uh, Jen Wood was at our live performance, but I forget who sung. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. I think she's done a few of them, but not. I don't know. Not most. It doesn't no. seem. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I think that this one actually flushes as as a duet. So would would love that. Yeah. Uh, we'll change my dating apps to acknowledge this reality that that's what I'm going for, and we'll, we'll see. How <laughs> Looking for a partner to sing that, yeah. You wouldn't, that's you good. wouldn't consider doing a duet of uh, Against All Odds. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, you're lost, you're lost, man. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. I don't acknowledge that song. Um, let's see, last one. I'm just a notch in a bedpost, but you're just a line in a song. What's the best burn on either of these albums? Uh, uh, yeah, I think um, the two that I have, one from uh, Transatlanticism was she was beautiful, but she didn't mean a thing to me. A little spicy. Uh, that is, uh, it's not intended yeah. directly as a burn, right? It's like an acknowledgement of the situation, but it's rough uh and uh from give up i had from nothing better don't you feed me lines about some ideal idealistic future your heart won't heal right if you keep tearing out the sutures and i just like that's like a distillation of what i've been talking about all this time like that guy who is like picking the scab and going oh my god you've cut me it's like <laughs> you dude <laughs> Go home, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yeah, yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, um, Howard, why don't you go next, and then uh, Mouse can take it home. Sure. So, in my notes on this one, I just put LMAO because I don't consider there to be any burns. Yeah. On either of these albums, I don't think. I don't feel like I could be burned by the goalie tending the net in the third quarter, the guy that created that weird, <laughs> like that guy can't hurt me. So I, I yeah, I just, I just feel like it's um, there, there's, there's nothing here. So uh, I will almost do a pass and I'll give it to Myers. Myers, you have one. So funnily enough, I also had tiny vessels, but like the entirety of the song, like I, I thought yeah. it was less a, a directed burn and more just like a burning down of an entire relationship. Mm -hmm. um yeah and i mean i think it's interesting it's one that i did not it was not one of my favorite songs uh when when the album originally came out but i think it's actually it's it's a really good song especially when you acknowledge like he's not necessarily supposed to be the protagonist here or like the good guy so to speak right. it's supposed to be brutal but it's it's also well done of just like this is how relationships can end is like yeah. people still being hurtful to each other um and i thought yeah it's that that <laughs> you are beautiful but you don't mean to think to me is uh is, is pretty tough it's a tough burn all right uh i guess that's it for this episode uh myers thank you so much for joining us you know what we forgot to give you a proper intro so We'll have to go back and post and we'll create that. So uh, please fill out a Google Doc, <laughs> uh, whatever things that we're allowed to say about you. And yeah, I'll, I'll, oh, I'll, I'll splice that in. But um, <laughs> do you 
have any last thoughts on this album, these albums, this experience? Uh, well, this has been a, a great experience and a, a trip down uh, memory road to to my latter high school years. Uh, as given that both of these albums were such a uh, a fond and and central part of my my life back then, and it also has been a great opportunity to revisit these albums, um, especially before going to that show, which I am still eternally grateful that that Andrew immediately like jumped on those tickets for because that was an, one of the better shows I've ever been to, uh, and certainly only the second show that I've been to in Madison square garden, which it was not similar to guns and roses. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. All the same. You need to talk about that. Yeah. But okay. <laughs> that's, that's for uh, our, a different podcast on uh, 80s hair rock. So incredible. Ill? Uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, I love both these albums. I have loved them for a long time. Fun to uh, pick them apart with a little bit more purpose. And uh, the show was incredible. Um, so just a delight. What about you? You know, it all holds up. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that there's few few concerts and combinations of albums that I think could have had the power that these ones did. And uh, maybe even more so the concert than the like re-listening of the albums uh, really uh, impactful and, and, and really really fun so thank you for indulging the dual episode and, and, and playing with the the form and the structure of this um I thought it was I thought it was great so a little bit of housekeeping and thing that I am very excited for is our next episode I'm gonna call this domestica December <laughs> We're going to be <laughs> the long-discussed Domestica album by Cursive, and we're going to fucking ruin everyone's holidays with uh, <laughs> uh, conversations about relationships just decomposing in your hands uh, as you watch them. So, A-hole, um, <laughs> uh, Myers, any, any thoughts on that before we head? I can't wait. <laughs> I mean, it makes me think of Christmas. So, all I want for Christmas—it's it's got the holiday Christmas spirit. Domestica. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's gonna be incredible! It's, it's gonna be incredible in the bleak white winter of <laughs> this December. I love it. All right, thanks, guys. Talk, guys. All right, take it easy. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Later. Bye.